Welcome to Conversations With. I am your host, Jamie. Thank you so much for listening today. Wherever you are, listen, make sure to press that follow button so you never miss a future episode. I am joined today with Alistair Cameron as we talk about the Mongol Valley. Alistair and his friend Lee travelled from Blackpool to Mongolia in a 1995 Ford Fiesta. Alistair talks about his experiences travelling across the world and the people he met along the way, making friends for life and forming the Convoy Exceptionnel. On his journey, Alistair kept notes in a journal of his experiences, the places he visited and people he met, and upon returning to the UK, converted all of these into a book detailing his journey in the Mongol Valley 2018. This book is available to order on Amazon. The link is in the description of this episode. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at conversationswith.jamie for behind-the-scenes clips, pictures and exclusive content. Now here is my conversation with Convoy Exceptional, Alistair Cameron. Just us two, you know, driving a third of the entire globe, 19 countries, under countries' names that ended Stan that I'd only heard of four weeks before on the back of a, you know, a postcard. I, and I just... And that's why I had in my head that it's just going to be me and my mate doing it. And then it's so strange because we got on the ferry um, to go from Dover uh, to uh, Calais. And it, we ended up sitting with a couple of other teams, Team Cunning Stunts, Team Don't Smell My Shoes, uh, Team Rally McRally Face, Team um, Two Fat Yanks and a Scar and others. And They're gnomes, aren't they? In your book, yeah, yeah, they're gnomes. Yeah, we call them gnomes. Yeah, because they had two two gnomes on the back of the front of the car, and uh, I don't know what it was, but every time we we went in convoy for the first like five days, and then we all kind of split up a bit near Turkey. You'll notice that in a minute. Like we we go and get car repairs done whilst one of them spends an extra day whilst another one, and it doesn't matter how much we try, we 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 didn't purposely try and leave each other. We all just had different plans. We all ended up just. You know, we're talking like there's 50 roads going this direction. We all ended up on the same one or just happened to pull into the same petrol station as the <laughs> other one until we'd just be a convoy again. And we'd be like, oh, shit. And then like a few days later, we're like Turkmenistan, like mini adventures went away. They went away in front of us um, by probably a, a, a day, half a day. Yeah. And um, we all stayed in this five-star hotel you'll love to hear about when you get to that part of the book. <laughs> uh, and uh, we, we randomly went around Turkmenistan for the day. And I'll talk to you about a bit more about Turkmenistan in a bit because it's just the most strangest country in the world. And then we just happened to pull into a petrol station and they pulled in behind us. But <laughs> how many petrol stations are there in this country? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was like, well, what are you doing here? <laughs> and then they ended up staying with us, I think after that, pretty much until almost Mongolia, so that was all the way through Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, Russia, and yeah. Obviously, I'm not going to like, obviously, no spoilers, obviously, because I'm only there, but obviously you've, you've released a book and you're alive, so you did make I it. died. <laughs> you made it. <laughs> I mean, obviously without its troubles, but you, but, you made it. Uh, without spoilers, like, I made it. And there's a photo of my car on the finish line, but you'll enjoy reading it because I didn't give up. Yeah. I felt like giving up. And at, at sometimes 
I was having the worst day. I, you know, I had the shits, you know, because of all this water. I was drinking. I'm a vegetarian. I couldn't get a decent meal. I remember. I remember. Every, everyone's just in KFC, and <laughs> you're just like, oh, right. I'll a chip kebab, please. <laughs> kebab, please. Turkmenistan, right? I remember it had been two days, and we and there was nowhere I could eat anything. Like obviously, I had like crisps and all that. Um, yeah just in the car like emergency rations we brought with us just before, like we got from pound stretchy you know when we before we set off yeah we were still in the car and water we were trying to buy a bottle because you never want to drink the local local water and i think there have been two days where we drank all of our water through the and we're talking blistering heat of the turkmenistan desert yeah and my, the water in our car was, was like not boiling but we're talking like if you ran the hot tap in your house that's what the temperature yeah. of the water was in the car and we had that and i just remember thinking oh my god i'm so hungry i just want some food i just want some food and then we got to like um north turkmenistan and it, and we stayed in this lovely five-star hotel in north turkmenistan for like 50p and um they finished they finished dinner like they were like no we're not cooking anything <laughs> so we weren't around is there any like anywhere we can get food and everyone was like no no not here not here so then like another day passes and I've hardly eaten anything. I think I think I ended up having a pot noodle and I can't stand pot noodles, right? Oh, <laughs> I had one. Pot then the next day it, it took probably a couple of hours to get into Uzbekistan. We get into Uzbekistan and you know you know you're in luck when you start seeing those Coca-Cola umbrellas, you know, the red ones you see on holiday everywhere. You're like, <laughs> oh someone's got some beverages and some food around <laughs> here. So after finally getting local money, we pull up at this like it, it probably it was probably a shithole you know what i mean but yeah. for us it was glorious it was a cafe it was outside there was food there was all these fresh kebabs being cut and all this salad and everything like that and they hand us this uh this menu obviously it's all in, in all either russian or whatever language yeah. it's in or, or i think it was in arabic actually and uh, we get our phones out you know the translator out where you put the camera yeah. over <laughs> and translate for it and we were all started like we're all none of us had had a drink of water for days and we'd all been given fizzy pops so we we're all giddy as fuck <laughs> and um we uh, <laughs> were reading it and the translation says i don't know what it was but the first one was testicles of the sausage <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> so i died <laughs> then the next one was shrimp <laughs> well shrimp with an n instead of an m shrimp it's <laughs> like what on earth is that so after everyone kind of ordered just by pointing there was nothing vegetarian except for salad so i start like bullshitting going like, like vegetarian and just like eh and it's like vegetarian <laughs> start saying vegetarian all the different languages and you, you don't get it and then they were like they, they seem to understand they go away and they come back and they bring everyone these piles of meat on like um and it looks it looks amazing obviously i'm a veggie and it looks amazing on all this fresh salad i was like oh god i can't wait for mine this little plate turns up with <laughs> A fried egg. <laughs> <laughs> Not even scrambled, just a no. fried egg. <laughs> no salad, no nothing, nothing of the shit I pointed at. <laughs> a fried egg on the plate. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this has got a chicken in the back just poking it, waiting to fucking. More Fanta, please. <laughs> just poking the chicken in the back. Come on, lay it. And it was even funnier, like that night, um, come on we had that night but the next day we went to another cafe and we all started taking the piss and um i was pointing at things and that and he proper understood me and you know what yeah. they gave me the next day a fried egg two fried eggs. <laughs> you got to i got up and left <laughs> just outside chain smoking it was so funny yeah. 
But it wasn't. It, it was terrible because obviously when you, you know, because like everyone gets the shits on the Mongol rally. Like it's not right unless you do it. And then when you when you got the shits and you've only had warm water for two days, you've eaten crisps and a pot noodle, and someone offers you a fried egg. You're like, this is the last. This is the last. <laughs> thing <I need." laughs> fried. So obviously you managed to find a cafe at some point. Then I, I'm sure, like eventually, yeah. you managed to have your salad. <laughs> I don't, I don't, that was like going into Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan. And yeah, you try the local food, but for all the meat eaters, it was fine. I don't think I properly ate for, again, after that, for another 2,000 miles. Mm. And that was when we got into Kazakhstan, we got into the old capital. And um, we, uh, we, we, you'll enjoy this in the book. We stayed in a, a hotel which was like really high up. It was called Sky Hostel and it was on the roof of a really high uh, building. And I went into my room because um, it was quite fully booked. So they just put beds on the floor for us because we didn't care. We we're like, we'll all share a room. Yeah. And everyone goes in and dumps the bag. And I just have this weird shitty bed under the tape, under the, under the window. And I don't care. And the curtains are closed. And I open the curtains and I look around and I'm like, oh. Well, that's odd and I close the curtains and I walk all the way out to everyone who's stood on the roof having a cigarette and I go could anyone tell me why there's a bolt action sniper rifle at my bed and everyone's <laughs> like what and I was like there is a bolt action sniper rifle at the head of my bed and they were like bullshit and we all go in and they open the curtains and there's this fucking it's about a call of duty this full-on bolty just resting on the windowsill and I'm like, and people are like picking it up. I was like, don't, you might get shot. I was like, just fucking... Yeah, they're, they're just waiting for somebody to pick it up. That he's armed, he's armed. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> oh, absolutely ridiculous. I think um, one of my favourite stories I read so far was the hotel. You stole a hotel off somebody by accident. Basically, the one with the pool is like, park, park by the pool, park on the pool. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. it's like, go park on the pool. Park. I was like, I was like, what about here? No, no, keep going, keep going. <laughs> have you seen, I don't know if you've seen the picture. I don't know if I put it in the book, but uh, my, my, my bonnet is literally hanging over the pool. No, I don't think so. Uh, no, I think, I think the only picture that I've seen is you on the start line, I think. I think that's the only picture that's come up. Yeah, prepped oh. and ready to go. Uh, As if I didn't put that one in. That's a cracking picture. I'm sure there's, there is more later on, I'm sure, but like I said, that was the only one. Like I said, I'm up to chapter nine, which is day 10 to 12 at the minute. Yeah, well, I kind of forgot I could put pictures in it because when I was originally going to get it published, I was, get, I was getting it published by a different company who yeah. said no to pictures. And then when I started doing it all privately and then going through Amazon, I could put pictures in it. So, obviously, with Amazon, did you just say, I just want to release a book? And they were like, all right, send it to us and we'll release it for oh, you. Oh, no, it's not even as hard as that. You just go on Kindle Direct, Direct Publish it. So, basically, once you've got an ISBN number for your book and a barcode, you just and you create your front cover, that's that's your book. So, I, I was selling mine individually. So, then when I went to Amazon and said, I want to sell it, through Amazon, they were like, yeah, like you, you just upload your book. So, when I was a quick read, they go, yeah. Um, you can sell it under your ISBN, so I didn't need to get like another barcode printed for it or anything. Yeah. I went my own barcode, and uh, they just take a portion of the sales. Yeah, because I saw obviously there was on Amazon, and I, I was going to message you. I was like, 
is this the best place to buy it? Because I didn't, again, I didn't know about like if they took portions from the profits or. Oh yeah. But then right. I saw Waterstones and it's like fifteen pounds. I'm like, oh, Jesus. I, know, yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I remember when Waterstones rang me up. They were like, "How do we get more copies?" I was like, "Who is this?" <laughs> it's Sir Waterstone. <laughs> Like, it's just crazy to think like obviously I didn't really know about it obviously when I went to your wedding I didn't know what those people were from the Mongo Rally. Yeah. So, so as an introduction to the Mongo Rally, if I didn't explain it too well in the book, you, you basically you sign up to take the smallest, shittiest car you can find yeah. on this adventure to Mongolia. You can go from you can go in any direction you want to go, through any countries you want to go. And it can take as long as you want. However, the start line's only open for a day and the finish line's only open for the month of September. Start line's around January the 22nd, sorry, July 22nd or around that time. Ours was a week before that. I think ours was about July the 17th. And uh, yeah, you pretty much got that time to get to the finish line if you want to finish in that time scale. Uh, there's only three rules. One of them is your car has to be under one liter but they allow 1.2 liter just because it's hard to get one liter cars yeah. um, second rule is you got to raise 1000 pounds for charity and half of that has to go to cool earth which is their charity and the reason for that is is cool earth um just save the rainforest and plant all the trees so obviously you, you're driving 10,000 miles across the world in a petrol or diesel engine you're gonna you know you, for fun you're, like, you're racking up a lot of carbon monoxide yeah. there so the, the five and a quid covers it it makes you trip carbon neutral really doesn't it and then um the third rule is, is you're completely on your own there's no backup there's no support vehicles you take what you take or, or you don't have it if you your car breaks down you have to deal with it if your car you know because in mongolia if your car was undrivable you had to get it out of the country because if you don't take it out of the country i think i think it's going up for like something like fifteen thousand pounds now to, import, to, to have your car imported so it's up to you to get it to that's get why it. they put it as the end point it's like yes we can all this money we can make for well that's stars. the thing <laughs> the, end, the end point now is just outside of mongolia in in russia in a place called ulanude uh, and that's because mongolia it just got it, it just it was just so expensive to get the cars from place to place yeah, because especially when you finish the race as well, I assume obviously you don't have the vehicle anymore, so then you, you get rid of the vehicle. So you're not just going to leave it in Mongolia. It's, it's, not, it's not a race, that's the thing. It's not a race. It's more endurance than anything. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. well, you can either drive the car home, which my friend James did with his classic Mini. I don't, if you've, I don't know if you've seen any pictures of that, but that's a classic Mini with a van roof rack on it. It's, there was a picture of it, I think. Like I said, I looked at the back of the vehicle, yeah. the back of the book as well, and it had a picture of all the cars, and I was like, geez. He, he drove his home. I, I, James is the I, one. It was him and his. Is it Jade? James. Him, and Jade. Yeah, yeah. James and Jade. Yeah. The one that don't drive. <laughs> yeah, she she failed the driving test the week before the rally, and then decided she wasn't going to drive on the trip anyway. Well, you can drive anywhere as soon as you left Turkey, but no, she she had enough. So I drove the mini for a couple of days. But yeah, he drove his home. I could have kept my car. Um, drove it i probably could have driven it home and got it all repaired but if i got stopped in the uk and they checked my car i would have had bald tires i would have had everything you know i'd have, I'd have had the book thrown at me and it they're probably crushed and it would have been worth it but i probably could have done it but no i i, I got it so you can't leave your car in russia yeah. for another import fee so it has to go on a train and the train takes it back to europe it takes it back to estonia in europe and that's where it can be recycled for free but it costs a grand to get your car back to Europe uh -huh. on the train 
But you know, it it is what it is, really, because if you want to do this adventure, it co- it co- it just costs that much. There's an interesting fact, you see, because I paid <laughs> for it to be hydraulically crushed by an excavator, mm. and I got a slip from the Estonia, um, <laughs> the, from the country of Estonia, saying that my car had entered their country and had been completely destroyed by hydraulic excavator probably about two weeks after I got home. So I was like, oh, that's really upset. And about a week later, I receive a speeding ticket from Estonia (laughs) for a week after it's been destroyed and a picture of my car (laughs) going through a camera. So I think someone might be telling some fibs somewhere down there. It's still coming. So what'll happen? I'll just I, I'll be like, and now we join our Estonia uh, correspondent in the in the capital city. You just see. <laughs> <laughs> you literally just Here see uh, like because you still obviously have all the stuff on the back. Like obviously you had all the uh, the team AFK. But, like yeah, this yeah. team uh, AFK car is doing bits in Estonia. <laughs> <laughs> we have research on Google and found out team AFK Alistair Cameron. <laughs> You're just in the UK, Who's that doing donuts behind you? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I do. I do think the car still exists on there. But if you, if you'd actually, I don't know if it shows you all the previous MLTs. If you look at it, oh my god, like you'd be amazed that I took that car with. I think two years before that, it it failed on about twenty three things. Yeah. And then suddenly, all of a sudden, the next the next one, two days later. MLT <laughs> clear clean sheet, no issues. So either they did a you know a Rocky five, a Rocky three montage or something, <laughs> oh, and got it all done for like the eighteen. One of the favourite as well, because like I said, I, I, I look at the end bit as well, seeing like the pricing of it all and everything, and I, I randomly just came across a note as well, which kind of spoiled me a little bit. But I'm gonna come to it. It's like just a note. When Lee's dad was talking to me about the vehicle, <laughs> because I, I read that bit like obviously today, and he was like, um, yeah, um, he said that, can you change the engine? Yeah, can you do all of this? Yeah, yeah. It was a lie. Was <laughs> I never looked at it. Yeah, <laughs> but you so, know, I had to go. <laughs> so just to explain for people, yeah. I, um, you the best way to do the Mongol rally is to not take it well to not take as many spares as, as as you'd like to really um and just basically don't don't make it so it's easy the best like the best stories about i have is when i was stood at the side of the road smelling like an absolute ape uh, with a car with the exhaust on the top of the car because it's fallen off my wheel bent sideways my wing mirror hanging off and i'm just there just like hello i am from england they're the best <laughs> stories i've got like so you don't remember the the endless end and i'm talking endless miles of just dirt track road mm. desert and all that where your car worked perfectly so saying, anyone that does the rally i always say to them like you need to you really do need to not prep as much and don't take all the spares yes you want to because you, you're spending so much money on this worldwide adventure but you need to take a car which isn't which is un- unreliable or will have issues so then you can have you can make those memories so yeah i didn't do anything to the car i told everyone i'd taken the engine apart i'd done all the coolants i'd done all the uh i'd, I'd clean the carburetor out. and i know how to do all that shit but i just didn't do it because i thought you know what it'll, it'll happen on the day and it'll be a right good laugh when we have to deal with it and it was but people worry, and you've got to put people's minds at ease. If I didn't put 
Lee's father uh, his mind and his mum's mind at ease, then I really think, and to be fair, and Lee's because Lee was Lee was uh, worried a lot of times, thinking that he was spending all this money on a trip that we, you know, might not even make it out of Dover. And don't get me wrong, my God, day one when we set off, I turned to the wife and I was like, I was like, as long as I make it through England, we're all right. <laughs> Forty forty three days later, maybe I did it. I did it. <laughs> Thank you. Man. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. <laughs> it must have been weird just getting on a plane at the end of it all, though. Just like leaving oh, the car and just getting a plane. Definitely. Like, I I don't understand how my wife even recognised me. Well, she wasn't my wife then. Uh, uh, and I don't understand how she did. Because You're like Castaway's massive beard. <laughs> honestly, I had, I, was, I had this bushy beard out to here. I was wearing a Muslim prayer cap. <laughs> I had this huge rucksack I bought from a Kazakhstani market from not even a seller, just some bloke who would sell me his rucksack. <laughs> I'll trade you this for a shoe. <laughs> yeah. and then, oh, and then I had I had this hat in my these hats in my bag and all that. And costumes are just like, is there a reason you have a um a Russian sniper's hat in your bag? I was like, yes. <laughs> Care to share that reason? Not today, thank you. <laughs> It's so, yeah, we, we flew home. Uh, well, I, ev- everyone goes on Skyscanner to fly home. And as soon as one person buys a ticket on Skyscanner, the next, the orders blow up all the money because of supply and demand. So I luckily got a, um, I, I got a good one, which got me home in like a day and a half. So it was just so strange. So I think flying out of Ulan-Ude, even though Ulan-Ude is a nearly nice city in, in Russia, it's still not up to the times really. And then just landing in Moscow. And I was just looking around in Moscow and like, the rally completely changed my life. Like pe- there were people there shouting over Starbucks and Costa and, and all these things. And I was just like, why do you care? I was like, that person's got your coffee wrong. And I was just like, two days ago, you know, like I was, I was shitting in a hole, you know, <laughs> praying for toilet paper. And this man's ear is pissed well, off. Well, so bears watching me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And this man's pissed off that, you know, he's got some, the, 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 he's got an ex, you know, one less shot in his coffee. I, I, I literally just wanted to come home and sell all of my belongings because I'd lived out of just what was in my car. And yeah. I, I, I got home, I was like, well, what's the point of all this shit now? Don't need it. I've just proven I don't need it. Yeah, I saw that bit because you put that at the end, don't you? It's like, mm. I come back, quit your job and was like, what? Like you didn't need these belongings anymore. Like you said, you want adventure yep. and you all that, all that matters is your health your wife now and obviously your kids yeah, that's kids, the most yeah. important thing and make and making memories and reco- recording yeah. those memories because the best thing i ever did was write down the stuff for the book because i didn't ever mean to make a book i just wanted to one day because i'm i've got the shittest memory in the world <laughs> i really just wanted one day for me to read back and go oh yeah i've got to remember that because yeah. now people are people i haven't even met facebook message me saying i asked i really enjoyed the book i love the bit about when you got you know when you were at the door to hell in Turkmenistan and you almost fell in a pit of fire. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but... <laughs> that's, what, that's what I mean as well. It's like so strange because it's, it's like I said, the Mongol Valley, ne- I've never really heard of it before. And then obviously I only know because of yourself. Like, how did you hear about it? I don't know. Like, well, I, how- I heard about it about, about two years before I went. My, my friend Jeff wanted to do it and he planned to do it in an old ambulance. Uh, kind of live in an ambulance but everyone was doing that at the time everyone was getting ambulances and living in it because you know it was cheap to do and i think you could donate the ambulance as well to mongolia because they were low on ambulances not that they ever fucking wanted them because they were terrible machines by the time they got them there um but 
and Jeff really wanted to do it at the time. I don't think I had a driver's license. I was just obsessed with motorcycles. And then I went to uni and met Lee. So probably actually a bit more than two years before that, probably about four years before that, then before I went actually and did it. I, went, I met Lee and we were always talking about it. And every now and again, I'd tag him in a video. And then after university, he went to go work on the cruise ships. And I was, I was at home, I was working in, I won't mention the place, but a God forsaken college. And, um, I, I I just thought, you know what, now's the chance. I've got all this time accrued up to take my holidays and, I've, now's, and now's the chance for me to do it. So I messaged Lee on Facebook and I just went, I sent him a video, I was like, let's sign up now and do it. And he just thought, okay. And I don't think he knew if I was being serious, <laughs> so I applied. <laughs> 350 pounds later, I made him sign a contract to say he was ready to go. <laughs> but... But yeah, it's just crazy. That's, that's when my rally started. It was absolutely brilliant because the people I met in Blackpool who were willing to talk about it and help, like we had a company called Blackpool Van Signs. I'd never met the two blokes before. I sent them an email with um, a, a link to a video that I'd, I'd made with a couple of yeah. friends about the rally. And they, they just wanted to help and they were just like, yeah, just get us in the Gazette or something. You know, just, just show that we're helping you and it's all for charity and all that and we'll, we'll do it for you. We'll design your car. And they did, they designed the car with the help of my wife and she did all she did all the graphics and all that. Got it all sent through and they were absolutely fantastic. But the only upsetting part about that was is I promised them that I'd get, you know, them in the lo local newspaper and it just so happened another team from Blackpool happened to do oh. the rally the same year as we did it. And the absolutely brilliant guys. I'm not. I've got nothing against them at all. Two brilliant lads. Uh, I think it was Andy and Gordon. They were called, and um, they owned a. Uh, I think. I think one of them owns a uh, a media firm. So that was it. You know, he had his foot in the yeah. door with the Gazette, with all these companies, and you know, all these. All, yeah, all these companies to help fund and all that. And every time I tried to speak to the Gazette, we we're like, "Oh, sorry, we're already doing a piece on this." on this team who were doing it. So it felt really bad. I couldn't help this company out that had done so much for me. Well, all the companies I had, Blackpool Van Signs, Baylor Services, M&B, my mum's company, my friend, uh, uh, Brendan, he, has, he had a drone company who helped shoot all the images. And I just wanted to give something back and I, I couldn't do it. But so I was so happy that when my book was such a hit, I sent everyone a book and I was like, yeah, there you go. I got your name down. Like you're there, you're set in stone. Anyone that messages me now about car graphics and all that, where I got it from, I send them the link to Blackpool fan signs. I'm like, yeah, go, go to these guys. Say it's for the Mongol rally. Like they'll, they'll help you out. And they will do. And I don't know if they ever did, but I hope they did. Yeah. But I, I even love the back of it. Like you said, you've got the whole map on the back as well. Cause it, like you said in the book, it's obviously from the outside, it's the whole pathway that you're taking. But it actually doesn't it doesn't actually obstruct your view as well. Like it's it's normal for you. Oh yeah, some people can't look in. Yeah, I don't understand how, how, how that stuff even works. <laughs> but I remember sitting in the car. Well, I looked at the outside of the car when after they'd done it, and I was like, my god, that map looks amazing. I sat in the car, so it's my rear view, and I was like, oh, where the fuck's the map gone? <laughs> I got out. I was like, "Well, there it is." So my car. I was like, "Well, it's gone again." But yeah, it, it was. What we, is this witchcraft? Yeah, we could see out, but they couldn't see in. Yeah. Honestly, it, brilliant stuff. So obviously, it definitely helped with security because I took the two back seats out of our car and just filled it with crap. Mm. Um, so yeah, absolutely brilliant. I, I loved my car. It was one of the best looking cars there, except for like the mini, just because the mini is the shape and the build of what it is. Yeah. But obviously that Ford Fiesta wasn't actually the first vehicle 
that oh, you owned. That was fucking epic. The Vivaro, is that what it's called? Vivio. The Vivio. The Subaru, yeah. well, be, before the Subaru Vivio, we bought a Volkswagen bread van in blue and uh, Lee told the bloke we were going to take it to Mongolia and he went, oh, you can't take my baby car to Mongolia. <laughs> You're not having it. <laughs> then we bought a Volkswagen Polo bread van in red and the bloke was like, yes, come and pick it up this weekend. Lee drove all the way to the, to the town it was in. I was like, why, where are you? And the man just didn't reply for yeah. the entire weekend. And Lee was just like, all right, well, I've gone home. I'll come back tomorrow. And he didn't reply. And then finally Lee sent him a message saying, are you messing me about? And the guy went, how dare you? I'm not messing you about. I'm genuine. And Lee was like, where's the car then? And then he was like, I, think, I don't think this car's for you then, sir, if you think I'm messing you about. <laughs> I was just like, so then the Vivio popped up. For those who don't know, a Subaru Vivio is a 660, well, whatever V-I-V-I-O is in Roman numerals. That's how many CC it's got. 60. Something, something like 660 or something. Yeah. I'm unsure. Um, so yeah, we're allowed one litre, but Lee had this great idea of, why have one litre when you can have 0. 0.6? <laughs> 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 And I'm not going to lie, it was a four-wheel drive car, and it was, it was tiny, and I mean tiny. And it was a brilliant car, absolutely brilliant. But it just had so many drawbacks. It was fuel injection. I'd never fucking heard of one in my life before. <laughs> so you couldn't get parts for them anywhere, or shock absorbers or anything like that, which you're going to go through, springs, which you're going to go through. If there was anything like, if the clutch went, I don't know where I'd even begin to get another clutch, because they're, they're all from Japan, these cars. There was only 14 on the road in the UK or something like that. There's <laughs> only three now, and Lee's is one of them. He's still got, he's still got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's rare now. It's probably worth about four grand. So, yeah, it, it, this cup pops up on eBay. Lee says, look at this. I say, absolutely no way. Three days later, he's bought it. <laughs> so look what I've got. Just rolling up. <laughs> and... He was about to go back on another contract on the ship up, up until the rally at this point. It was like January. He comes round. He lives in Kent, so he drives this shitty little car all the way up north. Let's me have a drive of it. We take it round um, Beacon Fell and the and Forest of Boland, yeah. and I rag the shit out of it. Put it in four wheel drive, slide it around corners in the snow and all that. It was absolutely incredible, brilliant machine. But I just said I can't take a car which I can't even fix being fuel injection it's going to be so many issues yeah. uh, and um, I can't get parts for. And he understood that. And he said to me, right, well, I'm going on this ship now for until the start of the rally. It's up to you. You go get the car if you, mm -hmm. as long as you're happy with it. Because he was, Lee's not even a mechanic. He doesn't know anything. I've been building bikes since I was six. <laughs> I've been building motorcycles. So I said to him, I was like, don't worry, I'll get a beauty of a car. <laughs> And it was, it was, I, honestly, I'm so happy we did it. And yeah, if, if, if I think back, should we have taken the Vivio? Probably, yeah, we probably should have just gone with it because that's the point of the Mongol rally. You're not meant to get parts. But would it have cost us a lot more? Probably, yes, because we'd have had to get parts made for it. And even though in places like Uzbekistan, you'll read about this later, someone made us, a, we called it the Frankenshock, where they got a shock absorber from our car, which had completely just disintegrated, and a random shock absorber from like a larder, and they just <laughs> moved it into this weird contraption, welded it all together and put it on our car, and it lasted until the end. It was probably the strongest shock <laughs> absorber out of them all, because yeah. the engineering, because I know there's an MOT over there, the engineering of people, um, in, in Asia it's just absolutely incredible like people, any, anyone's willing to help you out and um, 
I think especially like I, I think you should have like said you're taking the Ford Fiesta and like without spoiling it like you said you made it to the end and you completed the the whole rally so if you took in that if you took that other vehicle and you didn't make it to the end you're just going to be disappointed now you've done it yeah. let's go with the Vivio I know go for it yeah. just go for it again and just make it to make it to Cali get through to Belgium and come back because <laughs> it's gone well, that's, a, that's the thing you'll never guess though we got all the way to the end, got to the finish line, and the next day went to go drop our car off at this interrail link. And what do we see that's been dropped off by another fucking team? A Subaru Vivio in pristine condition. Parked up. And you know what? I, I turned to Lee and I think I apologised that I didn't go for the Vivio in the first place. Yeah, like we could have had loads of problems. We, like this other team, we could have had none. Yeah. Um, but it just, just wasn't for me. Whereas I, the parts for this Fiesta, I could get it. I could get them absolutely anywhere. And if worse came to worst, like this is my once in a lifetime trip. I'm probably never going to do the rally again as much as I bloody love to. Yeah. I just thought, even if, even if I'm stuck in a ditch in Kazakhstan, as long as there's an address there, someone can send me the part. Yeah. No matter how much debt I go into for it, you know, I'm yeah. getting this car to the end. And that's what is one of the probably the best things about. Um, some team members, I think, when I speak about the convoy, I think everyone played such a vital part in getting all the cars to the end. Well, the four cars which did get to the end. Oh, spoiler. No, what? Uh, no one made it. Okay. <laughs> well, after the There's fire, one. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you did mention a fire at some point, but I think that was not with you guys. Yeah. Apparently some cars that fired when you were on the beaches, you were talking about horror stories. You know, the, the big party in... Um... Where's the oh, big party? The big summer beach party yeah, that the adventurers put on. Yeah, and oh, basically you'd say that it. some car was in a fire or something. Oh, like... I think I think oh just before, I think the day before that there was a big RTC and I think one of the teams had a big crash. Yeah, yeah. I think it was quite quite a bad one as well. Yeah, it's probably that. I should read my own book one day. <laughs> <I>? <laughs> as I said, it's um, just fresh in my mind because I've been reading it today. You know, it's just yeah like, coming up with obviously. The convoy exception out was just basically on the back of a van, wasn't it, or something like that? You it's the front front of a truck. Yeah. <laughs> in, in Europe, obviously, it just sounds great. It sounds like the exceptional convoy, and we were saying we were a convoy of vehicles, and we we're all talking about um, what we should call the WhatsApp group. And then Richie's part of team cunning stunts just turns around, and goes, "Did anyone see the banner on the front of that truck?" And it's like a chorus of all of us went, "Convoy exceptional," and that was it. That's what we were called from then on. And then everyone knew us as company exceptional, and then we were pissing off. I had CB radio in my car, and so did the Mini. And we were just chucking it into, like, Kazakhstani radio. Um, and then people were talking, not understanding the word of them. We're like, this year's company exceptional, come up your rear. And then these people in this Euro truck, huge things that are, like, inter-global trucks, were just then suddenly overtaken by a Ford Fiesta, a Ford Fiesta, a Nissan Micra, <laughs> this struggling machine of Mr. Bean behind <laughs> And you're just like, like, we have overtaken the convoy. <laughs> people hated us, like... But, so, but but then people absolutely love you. People want you to stop. People want photos with you. People want people want your stuff. People are just like, can I have that? That is great. Can I have one of those? <laughs> so you, you've got to like hide stuff and you've got to make sure all your stuff's like packed away and the things you can give away. Like we had a lot of charity wristbands. We had them to hand. So if someone went, can I have something? You just threw one at them <laughs> because people want, and well, you know, they, when does a convoy of shit cars covered in spotlight? Because you, it doesn't matter whether they're shit cars. Like all the cars are like, we're, we're, 
they've got sponsors on them. Where, where do they see cars with sponsors on? F1, NASCAR, all these things you see on TV. They just yeah. automatically think we're millionaire rich kids, which probably yeah. to them we actually are, but... You know, well, like I said, it's like 50p for a five-star hotel or whatever. Oh, Turkmenistan, <laughs> allow me to introduce a country that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but uh, I was reading a bit before when you were taking pictures up the big winding road of the, um, I can't remember it was now. and The Transpark Corazon Highway. In yeah, I have no idea how to pronounce that. So yeah, <laughs> And uh, obviously it's a bit where you keep stopping and taking pictures and stuff and then what made me laugh the most, it probably shouldn't because it was probably heartbreaking at the time. He left a tripod on the car. Oh. <laughs> and then yeah. just drove up and just destroyed it. Did anything, yeah. without spoiling it, did anything happen to you? Like you had something and just left, because he left it. You were like, you left them like 45 minutes. and like, where are oh. they? Where are they? Oh no, it's not too much of a spoiler. I'll tell you a massive <laughs> fuck up I did. And this is this is in this is in Kazakhstan. Now you know you start and this this trip of ten thousand miles. The last one thousand miles is our like our end. You know it's where you you switch off because you think I'm yeah. so close to the ending. It's the most dangerous part. And I probably switched off for a day. We had a thing wheels called a spot spot GPS tracker. And pretty much you pay for this little unit, and it says like it's got a picture of a phone on it, a picture of a, 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 a mail and a, um, sorry, like a, an envelope uh, for an email and then a, a red button that says SOS and you pay for this thing and then you pay for a subscription for £175 and every time you press the phone, it updates your Twitter, whatever you link it to, your Facebook to say, I am here and it drops a pin on the GPS location on a map, goes, we are here, we are safe. Uh, and then there's a message one where you can press that and it, if, um, you press that one it, it, for the, for every 10 minutes it would like show your location where you were yeah. going so it was really good all our friends and family could follow us all the way yeah. then sos and it wasn't as bad as it sounds sos you press that and it would come up oh alistair and lee are in a bother right now but don't worry like spirits are high but if you don't see us move for a couple of days Call you know, the police. <laughs> no, 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 not even that. You know, we're all good. Yeah. Um, if you don't see us move today, we're cool. But so I, a few times I pressed that just so everyone knew, like, if you're watching, because my kids were watching the uh, the live feed, they were like, oh my God, why has he been in a ditch for four days? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't want them to worry. And then underneath that, there was this, there's this emergency button. Danger. Danger. Pretty much, if you press that, it goes through to spot headquarters where they will find your location and will send the nearest army to you. Army? It's pretty much, yeah, it's pretty much worth, it's for all these overlanders, worst case scenario, you are going to die because you, you know, you've crashed, you've, you've, you know, you've got no water, you've got no food, you're in the middle of the Gobi Desert, you're completely lost, I am desperate for help, you press this button and agree to pay up to one million pounds. <laughs> So there's one thing that I shouldn't ever leave and out of my sight. <laughs> I've, I've kept hold of it the entire trip, chucked it in the glove box and all that, made sure it was all locked away so it couldn't accidentally be pressed and all that. And then in Kazakhstan, just one morning when it was just me and Lee, we get into the, we get into the car and I must have just plunked it on the roof, got in the car and just forgot all about it and driven off. And then about 20 minutes into the drive, I hear... <laughs> And I was like, what the bloody hell was that? And we think, ah, oh, nothing. And come to think of it now, it was probably... A bloody you know, another pothole. <laughs> falling off our, you know, going over our bloody roof rack and going onto the floor. 
And then about 40 minutes later, I get this. I, I got, luckily I had signal on my phone. It comes up, Alistair, Alistair and Lee are safe. I was like, oh God, where's the spot tracker? I haven't pressed it. And I was like, oh shit, it must be the spot tracker. And it wasn't too bad until I thought, oh God, I need to, what if someone presses the emergency <laughs> I've agreed to pay up to a million pounds. And I was just like, I was like, what do people automatically do when they want to turn something on or off? They press the rig red button. Yeah. I thought, oh shit. So I had to ring this company. It'll probably cost me about 18 quid a minute in England. It's like, it's a small situation. <laughs> Could you ignore turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> Um, I, had, I literally had Sharon from sales on the phone going, oh, this isn't my department. Could you hold? I was like, my life depends on this. <laughs> I can hold, but please hurry up. <laughs> so, but luckily, um, no one pressed it. But that was one of the things we lost. But it's a shame about Baz's camera. Baz is an absolute brilliant guy, and he, he just forgot. And he was being such a legend, putting his really expensive tripod camera out for us to do it on the roof of the car. But yeah, just no one thought to take it off. Yeah. Especially because it's quite early on as well. <laughs> like it was all about a oh, weekend now as well. I know, but I think that kind of helped. Imagine if you'd taken all these videos and footage and everything like that and you'd not swap memory cards and you'd lost a memory card. Yeah. We had one memory card corrupt in Turkey and I'm so devastated that we lost the footage because one of the teams, which I won't mention, ends up basically blowing up their engine and we had to say a lovely fun farewell and it was brilliant to catch like the highs and lows of the trip on video but we yeah. lost all of that just yeah. a shame because there's um at the back you put like pre like still present till 2018 so some people still have the vehicles and stuff so oh yeah have any of them from the team that you've met gone and done like last year's or i don't um, are they even doing this year because of covid i don't even know right but... so this year got cancelled uh, basically because all the borders shut so a yeah. lot of people will to next year people in our convoy none of the cars have redone the rally but in, in, on the year we did it 2018 so many of the cars have come back and had another rally out of them but yeah most of those cars were the ones that were you know they, they changed every nut and bolt and greased everything before they went which is what you shouldn't do no. your car's meant to be terrible I mean I got to the end with all all five like all four doors the boot the bonnet and all windows intact. I, how how did I manage yeah. that? There are some cars that get to the end. The bonnets disappeared. The the carburetor <laughs> air filter has just gone. Like yeah. the windows have all been smashed. The boots being held <laughs> held together with string, uh, you know. And then and the back tire is so squished and uh, it's on a skateboard so the car can still move. <laughs> and then there's some out there. I don't know how these people made it. But yeah, my car looked bliss on the finishing line because yeah, it like a nip to Aldi. I, I saw, obviously, in uh, the Czech Republic when they had that, the big festival kind of thing, um, like the big welcoming party. The worst car of the whole trip, was that still the Nissan Duke? It was a brand I, new Duke, wasn't it? I think it? it was a Qashqai, actually. A Qashqai. Yeah, did I it, did it make it to the end? Yeah, of course it fucking I, did. <laughs> did, yeah. did you see it at the end? Like it was so pristine and everything. An Australian team said that they bought a car. Um, <laughs> however, the sale pulled out two weeks before the trip, so they had to buy a brand new 2008 Cash <laughs> Guy with roof rack and off road wheels <laughs> with the four wheel drive option. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, when we got to the end, their car was parked up there and they were obviously keeping the car. So when, when it gets shipped back to Estonia, you either recycle it or go pick it up. And they went and picked it up. But so many people with permanent marker had written shame. Shame. I saw that with the, the little stamps, didn't they? Yeah. 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 yeah or, yeah, or just people... Cause why do the rally if you're going to do it like that? Like, there's no point doing the Mongol rally. Go like go if you want. You want a fucking gap year. Go and have a gap year. Like, what's the point in doing it? And I think afterwards, one of the team members like released a statement saying he was a bit older and he had like chronic back pain and he had to be in a comfortable car. And all. I understand all that, but like, adapt a shit car. Don't <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know. Go get the fucking. Seat if you can buy a new vehicle, do up a really yeah. shit one. <laughs> Yeah, do up a really shit one. I don't see why people spend so much time and effort on these cars, which they're, they're going to destroy. And yeah, I wish I had my car so much, but would it have cost me probably a million pounds by now in repairs? <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> and I don't have that sort of money. And there are lo- so many rich kids that do the Mongol rally. And, you know, oh, my God, uh, father will just pay for this. Uh, father, uh, I need another, another, another clutch. I know I had one yesterday, but could you send one? <laughs> with, with people like I was with, we were all just helping each other out. I was under other people's cars more than I was under my car. Oh my God, that fucking Mini. Oh, mm-hmm. right. The best story about the Mini, you'll get to it uh, throughout the book. Middle of Kazakhstan. I, I decide, like, because Jade can't drive, well, she can drive, she's failed the test and refused to drive the car. James has driven probably nearly a third of the globe by himself all day, every day. At least me and Lee could swap and have a sleep and a nap. James obviously just had to just keep driving. So we get to the middle of Kazakhstan. We're going around, I think it's Lake Balkash. And um, really big lake, takes about a day to go all the way around. And uh, we've just we've just had the best night of the rally, which I'll talk about in a bit. And um, I said to him, I'll... I'll take today, like jump in the passenger seat. I'll jump in your mini. I'll drive today because you look knackered. And I was like, and I'd, I'd love to drive a classic mini through Kazakhstan. That's brilliant. She was like, yeah, okay, then go on. So I jump in. He's a really short ass. He's got this bucket seat in a mini, and basically my knees are up to my my neck, and I'm not even tall. He's <laughs> he's just such, he's half a bloke. I'm telling you. Uh, in this classic mini, I get in. I turn the key, and I was like what's this and all i've done is turn it on and the water uh, the the um radiator has just exploded <laughs> i was like my apologies so we we go around we sort out this radiator we put red weld in it and then we wait 20 minutes and all that and it seems to hold top it back up with water and we set off and then uh i carry on i do probably about half a day's driving and i'm just like like i don't want to i don't want to upset you james but did the brakes work in this car before you had it? <laughs> He's like, what? So then I'm just like, yeah, and I'm pressing down and there is nothing, and I mean nothing there. <laughs> Luckily, we're on this open road, desert to the left, desert to the right. It's a straight line, and the only people in front of us are the other team because the mini was so slow. Yeah. I just think, I'm going to have to stop this car, mate. We're just going to have to do it. I pull the handbrake up. It does pretty much nothing to try to slow it down, and eventually we come to a halt. His brakes have pissed out everywhere. He had no brakes whatsoever. Uh, we're about an hour away from this um, town um, and a, a f- probably another. And then, f- well, so we're probably about 100 miles from this town and then another 100 miles to the next town called Karagandi. And I said to James, you, you know this car more than anyone. You jump in the 
driver's seat. We'll drive it behind the convoy. So then they know, obviously we had this plan that if, if we had to like slow down or there was a massive emergency and we had to slam the brakes, we'd shunt up the arse of another one and they'd slow us down. Yeah. Right, which luckily we didn't have to do. So I said, James, you take it. I'll, I'll, I'll jump on the handbrake. And it got to the point where we were break, where we had to start braking and we weren't shunting up the other people at the arse of the person. We were just slowing down with the revs. I was pulling the handbrake up and occasionally opening the door at slow, putting our foot on the floor and literally trying to stop <laughs> the car with our feet like, and trying to like, break our ankles in the process. And after about an hour and a half of like, insane driving on road and off road, because like, some of the roads that you just had to power through and like, we were going, get the fuck out of the way to all these trucks because we had no brakes and we were going to destroy the car. And I'm, people always think I'm exaggerating when I say no brakes. We had nothing. It was impossible. The car literally had nothing. And then um, we get to this town and it looks just fucking deserted. Like there's no one to be seen. All these houses which are in disrepair. Like, well, well a lot of places are like that in Kazakhstan. Brilliant places full of brilliant people, but they all look like they're in disrepair. And I just see this um, like big building just as we entered. And I was like, I'll, I'll go in there and uh, see if anyone's in there. And um, there might be a mechanic who can help us out or something because we needed to, well, we, we'd already clamped off the brake hose and we needed to get the brakes working again, but it, we, it wasn't working. So we were like, we need a mechanic. So I go into this uh, village centre or whatever it's called and I open the door and I hear the Kazakhstani version of and I was just like, what on earth? And it's not, and I was just like, and all these people, the bride, the groom, everyone in this village hall are just looking at me. Like three goats even stopped chewing the food. Like these chickens are running around everywhere and everyone's just looking at me. I'm thinking, I've just walked into someone's wedding. I didn't do like the old Wayne's world where you open both doors quietly, but everyone's noticed me. And I think, oh my God, what have I done? And everyone, I mean, everyone's looking at me. Is that one of those things in the film where all of a sudden the record just goes... (laughs) (laughs) That didn't happen, but it it felt like it. It was so awkward. And the groom just goes, oh, hello. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Pushes his bride out of the way, walks over to me. Welcome to my beautiful country that is <laughs> <laughs> All the guests come out, come over, start shaking my hand and everything like that. And I'm just like, you know, carry on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> <Mazel tov>. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you here? What is your name? And everything like that. And they're all talking to me like, this is brilliant. I get handed like, this dish of peppers and I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Pretty much the buffet hadn't opened yet and I'm eating it. <laughs> the wedding, they hadn't kissed the bride yet. And then we're all just chatting. And then, like, the, the guy has words with this other guy who has words with the other guy. I was like, where are you? And I was like, I'm in my car with all my friends. Like, oh, oh, your friends. And then every, this entire wedding party, you come outside and start saying hello. At this point, all the cows are just in the middle of the road and they're just walking over. <laughs> and this woman in a dress is just petting this cow. And I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> and I'm like, where's the mechanic? And finally, after about an hour of, like, eating buffet food and having a chat with cows and all this stuff, like... They go, oh, the mechanic's not here. He's gone to Karagandhi, which is the next next town above. So, uh, oh, all right, okay. So we look on this maps app we've got, and we, we see another mechanic's building about yeah. probably five miles up the road. And we think, oh, we'll push it to that. But if not, we're going to have to probably camp here for the night because we, it's getting dark. 
Um, yeah, we've got no brakes, got nothing. So we drive this other mechanic, and it's not a mechanic. It's just at the side of the road in Russia, Kazakhstan, and some of the other stands. They've just got an expect inspection pit. You know, you can just drive up and onto, so you can look underneath your car. It's just one of yeah. them. Ninety percent of them are broken, but at this point, James don't give a shit. Just drives right up top of it, hopes it's not <laughs> broken, and drives yeah. up. We look underneath. It's brakes, pissed everywhere. You know, you can't do anything. It's all, it's all pretty bad, and. Um, I think, right, we'll, we'll we'll camp here then tomorrow. We'll just have to keep going. James is really nervous about keeping going. And uh, some bloke comes over to us and goes, oh, there's a lake over there. You can pitch your tents over there. And, like, it's nice. We're, we're going swimming there now. And, like, so many, well, in broken English. And then suddenly this this car comes and this, these two blokes come out and they've got the towels. And this guy comes over to me. And all my friends are getting, like, the camping gear out. And, again, so they're not bothered. And I'm speaking to this bloke. And he's just like, and I'm trying to speak to him. And he, he doesn't speak a word of the Queens. So he hands his phone over and it's his wife. And I go, hello. And she comes out with the, hello, and welcome to my beautiful country that is Kazakhstan. <laughs> I'm like, I swear I've just met you at a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, why are you here in my country? And I'm just like, um, what sort of <laughs> questions? <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, oh, we're driving through. Um, well, one of our cars, the brakes don't work. We have no brakes. It's very dangerous. We're driving at quick speeds on the roads, but we, we can't stop the car. Oh, okay, then. And my, my husband can arrange a flatbed truck for you. It'll cost you uh, something like 200 US dollars to get it to Karagandhi, where it can be looked at by a mechanic in the morning. And James is just like, you know what? For $200, I'd rather just fucking chance mine and Alice's lives. We'll just go we'll tonight go you know yeah. you know we'll just go for it so i say to her no it's all right we'll just we'll just go for it that's fine and she goes no it's very dangerous I hand the phone back to my husband so i hand the phone back to her husband and he calls me around the other side of the car to his mate and she, he puts it on loudspeaker he's speaking and she's speaking to me and i have this pretty much of a conversation and then just the best thing in the world happens and i was like okay yeah okay that's great i walk over to all my friends who were like and i'm like stop loading the cars i have a solution and James is like, I'm not paying $200 to get my car taken. I was like, I was like, no, that man over there is the chief of police for Karagandhi. And at the moment, he's just called for us for a police escort to go in front of all the convoy at speed with blues and twos on all the way to Karagandhi so we don't have to press the brakes. <laughs> and everyone's like, no way. How have you just done that? I was like, I have no idea how I've just managed that. <laughs> Five minutes later, this, this police car turns up and he's like, yes, follow me, follow me. And literally, he's blasting it at about probably 70 mile an hour. The Mini's top speed, 69 mile an hour. And we're in the red. We have no brakes. And he's just going, like, in the, get out of the way. <laughs> All these cars are moving for us. And it's just like my, uh, the Mini, the Micro, my Fiesta. <laughs> All in convoy just behind this police car for a hundred miles at like 70. We didn't like going around corners at stupid speed, knowing we had no brakes whatsoever. We just, and then I, I come home and I go, Ah, oh, yes, that time I accidentally ordered a police escort <laughs> for a hundred miles through Kazakhstan. Allow me to tell that story. Driving no 70 without brakes, that's your story. Exactly, <laughs> I know. It, but that is the Mongol rally, those stories that, that people like, people have better stories than me. But that's one of my favourite stories out there. The night before, we stayed in a town on the corner of the um, late of Lake Bolkash, mm. and we got there the dead of night, pitch black. 
we pulled in uh, to where we could see this where this hotel was and instantly we got pulled by the police and they were like why are you here why are you here and i'm like why are you in my beautiful country kazakhstan (laughs) it's kazakhstan I was just like, well, we're just here to to spend the night in the hotel. It's like, yes, you spend the night here, but then you go. You go in the morning. And we're just like, all right. Like, we think, fucking hell, Kazakhstan's a bit shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, why do the number one's here? And this guy's like, I will check. I'll check that you are gone in the morning. Right, okay, we're going to this hotel. He wants out ever much. We're like, no, we'll go to this other one. Le Budget Hotel or whatever it was called. That one will be cheaper. <laughs> we drive around this town a bit more pull up outside this hotel and there was these two i say they were actually really attractive kazakhstan women who spoke brilliant english and this bloke and they were like what are you doing here why are you here this is amazing this is amazing why are you here do you want a prostitute i'm just like no i don't want a prostitute i was like and she was like, no, not me, over there. I was like, no, I'm fine, thanks. We're just here to spend the night in a hotel. She does this deal for us where I think it ends up costing us like less than $10 for us all to stay um, in these rooms which had like children-sized beds in. And uh, I, I go outside and she goes, you come with me. She grabs my hand and she pulls me down this really dark alleyway. I was like, I was like have I just ordered a prostitute? Like, <laughs> like, where is she taking me? I was like, I was like oh, oh God. And then it, we, we get to this bar and there's, there's this bar going on. Uh, there's this bar and it's all pitch black with like disco lights in. And uh, the owner was just like, hello, why are you here? <laughs> shouting. Like, why is everyone asking me why I'm here? Like, not welcome to Kazakhstan. Like, but this guy was like, yes, you come here. He's like, I close now usually, but we stay open. It was probably like half past nine. He was like, we stay open till midnight we, for you. How many are there? And I was like, oh, there's eight of us or something. I'm like, that's great. Go, go, go. He was like, go, go wash. Yes, go wash. And I was like, yeah, I know I stink like shit, mate, but thanks. Don't. He goes, and you come back here. And we did. We came back. We went out the back and he cooked everyone this amazing Kazakhstan dish, which is like um, boiled goat stew and lamb and all that. And everyone said it was amazing. I had fries, a fried <laughs> egg. Like, I, you know, I had every, I had a lot. I probably had some, like, some actual good carbs as well for the first time like in so many days. And uh, absolutely brilliant. And then he was like, we have a party now, like you're here. Uh, and we were like, how do we pay for this? Do you accept US dollars? And it literally, the chorus of his daughter was like, no, no. And the man was like, yes, I accept US dollars. <laughs> I think for eight of us to eat, he wanted about 12 and we gave him about $40. And he was just like the most chuffed man in the world. And uh, we got, we got, we're dancing in this bar. These women have turned back up again. Everyone's dancing and they're all going, but why? why are you here and i'm just like because we want to see kazakhstan we want to see brilliant places and they were like don't don't go in the water i was like right we won't go in the water i was like why can't we go in lake Balkash? but okay they're like but but enjoy it enjoy it enjoy it i was like all right okay then we couldn't see any of this town because it was pitch fucking black go back to the hotel go to sleep next day we need nothing's there right i literally i literally stepped out of the hotel and i was just like there's a bomb gone off. <laughs> I was joking. We're talking, the- we're talking derelict buildings everywhere. Like It's like our minds had only zoned into the, the buildings that had lights on. Yeah. And we just somehow missed all these buildings. And we're not talking derelict buildings. We're talking half derelict buildings. Like It's just so strange. We saw this bank and we're like, oh, there must be an ATM there. We go around to this bank. And where this bank used to be, it's just this, it's this, this, this pile of bricks. I'm like, well, this isn't a bank anymore. <laughs> Next to it, we see all this military personnel. And it was an army barracks. And they were all being trained. And they were all looking at us. And all these people 
with like they weren't like they looked a bit like AK 47s but they weren't they were more of a like a, a Kazakhstan military gun looked a bit more high equipped than like Taliban guns and all that and um they were all looking at us and I was like why is everyone looking at us so weird and this honestly this is the strangest place I'd ever been and uh, this woman who booked us into the hotel and next morning she was like she was like thank you for staying but but why are you here? <laughs> I just said, for God's sake. It's <laughs> like, so we wanted to see it. Okay, that's fine. And she was like, oh, okay then. Okay, we'll get in our cars. We're about to set off. And uh, I go, I'll take the lead. I'm driving back out through this thing. And I don't know how the fuck we missed any of this in the pitch part the night before. We drove past aircraft carriers, tanks. <laughs> like, you know, like, like, when I say tanks, I mean like massive tanks, really small tanks, like tanks I didn't even know existed. <laughs> Trucks, army man after army man after army man. This huge sculpture in the middle of a roundabout made out of missiles. <laughs> and I was just like, well, like, this isn't the town. <laughs> so now I know why they're asking, why am I <laughs> And then And then I'm just like, why are we here? Yeah. And I go around this roundabout and I'm like, I'm sure there was a road on this roundabout I came in and I just see these big gates. And I was like, I must have come into those big gates. I get to these big gates and I see it says, I can't remember the list, but it was Kazakhstan Nuclear Missile Testing Facility. <laughs> these gates the night before should have been closed and there should have been some people manning them, but they must have been asleep or something and left them open. And in this time, three cars with Mongol rally stickers have just driven in. <laughs> I was gonna say, did the police know it was that? Because it was a police escort, wasn't it? No, no, this is the day before the oh, police the day escort. Before, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we'd driven into this town and they, they, no one had no idea we'd entered it. And that's why the police didn't know why we're here. That's why no one knew how we had, no one knew how the fuck we got into this town. We didn't know how we got into this town. And I've never floored it out of a town so much. You know, and then those signs like, do not go in the water, nuclear water. And I was just like, go. Oh. But like, that's what, like, and then we were, we were like, people who were a couple of days behind us in the rally, we were like, you need to go and stay in the Kazakhstan nuclear <laughs> testing facility. <laughs> Amazing place. Brilliant. Five out of five star. They'll cook you this lamb dinner like you've had no <laughs> It's just great. Like you said, everybody has so many different experiences as well. But did you come across a lot of people that actually did it a few times? I've only met one guy so far. It was the big guy. Um, oh God, I don't know how to pronounce his, his name. name. Alex Ag I, or something. Or I, I don't know. It was at the, the big party and it was just like a big ginger. No, big but, yeah. It was like the, basically cutting a cat open or something when you were going up to them. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I think his name's like Vita or Vic. Yeah, Nor Vita. That's the one, yeah. yeah. Something like that. He's Norwegian, and I think he's done the rally every year. He does it in a Mark II Fiesta, and he's just been pretty much sponsored by all these charities to do it because he does so much amazing work for charities. He, yeah. About like, um, he just travels around the world telling people, like, talking to people about their lives, and doesn't even record any of it. Just does like a bit of a blog and a write up yeah. about you know like rubbish usage and recycling and all that, and he, he just spreads the message of you know a clean earth to everyone, but. He looks like a terrifying Norwegian Viking, but spoken softly, like a, like a, a of um. He sounds a bit like um. 
one of the blokes out of South Park who, you know, speaks so softly. Like, I'm so, he's <laughs> very nice. He's, and like, and he was just so kind. And he had this great big, like, raw meat butcher's leg that he was just, like, giving people. It was Norwegian. He was an absolutely incredible guy. And he'd help you with anything you wanted help with. He'd talk to you all night about his trip and what he wants to, like, what he planned to do on this rally and how this rally was different and just how much he loves traveling and this is his car his roof rack just folded out then he put his bed mat on it like it wasn't yeah. and then he just put a, then it wasn't even like a tent it was just like a midgy net over the top and that's where he slept every night didn't like rain or shine he said he wanted to be i think from what your book he said he wanted to be close to nature that's yeah. what he said something and, like that my god yeah he, he was he was just such yeah. an incredible guy like he does it every year, like year in, year out. And I, I, I honestly, fair play to the guy. He must have one of the most interesting lives in the world. But he must have his stories. Like everyone will have their stories. My stories will be nothing compared to some people's stories. But yeah, some people I know that, you know, give up. They get six days in, they go, shit, this is not for me. Well, somebody else had a car without a roof, didn't they? Oh, yeah, really early on, you said that there's a car without a roof. I don't know if you see that again. Or it was a Volkswagen Polo, and they cut the roof off <laughs> and turned it into the Volkswagen <laughs> Poo. Yeah. yeah. And just filled it up with builders' expanding foam <laughs> and a few other things. Like, it was terrible, but that's the spirit of the rally. And I don't know if they ever made it. I never, ever saw them again from the start line. Don't know if they yeah. made it. Don't know if they didn't. I never saw the car at the finish line. And then some guy did it on a bike as well. Oh, loads of people don't know a bike. The rule is for a bike to do it in, uh, they want you to do it in less than the 125 or less. And this guy did it on a cruiser. I think his name was Chris. It's been a while back. Um, he did it on a Suzuki. A Suzuki. Um, I think it was like a G, I don't know if it was a GN or an Intruder 125. Yeah. And he did the easy route, but I'm not, I'll let him off because it's a bike. The easy route is going through Europe, going up to Russia and just doing all of Russia yeah, all the way through and then getting in. The, but I mean, he's, he's driving himself though, isn't he? Like, yeah, you can't swap, yeah. so... He's on a bike, yeah. The yeah. southern route is going all the way through Europe, going into Turkey, going into Iran, and then going up through Turkmenistan. And the central route is what I did. That's going all the way through Turkey, Georgia, Azerbaijan, and going across the Caspian Sea by ferry into Turkmenistan. So the only place I missed out was Iran. Uh, but that's just due to costs, really. If yeah. you want to go to Iran, you've got to have a bit more money, and I just didn't have the money to put into it. But yeah, he, he he did that route on a bike, and fair play to him. But we we actually you'll re, you'll read up about that. We met him again at the Turkish border, and he hadn't eaten for about twelve hours. And no other teams had thought to offer him food. No, I've, I've got that. I've got past that bit. Oh uh, yeah. Because the um, that's where I've just got up to. The border was closed. The the system wasn't working. Yeah. That, that's where I've met him. Then, working yeah. for bikes only for cars. And yeah. I was like, do you want some food? He was like, oh god, yes, please. Like, How has <laughs> nobody fed you? I was like, take it. Take it. <laughs> He was so happy. Yeah, but that's literally where I've just got up to. Yeah. Um, you've just drove to Istanbul because you're like, oh, we could get there by midnight. Then you got to like the thing, and it was like, oh, yeah, it's not working till midnight. And then you got a three hour drive after yeah. there to get to Istanbul. Lovely drive that, though, to Istanbul. Beautiful. And even though it was pitch black, the road was so smooth. Even though our wheel was a bit sideways and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, literally, you are in the point of the book where everything just starts to go to shit and we have to make the most of bad situations but there are yeah. people who can't i could talk honestly i could tell you something funny stupid hilarious and shit about every single day on the rally like um 
going through, like, I couldn't, you know, not too much of a spoiler, but I couldn't go through Mongolia. My car couldn't physically go through Mongolia, the route I wanted to take. I wanted to do the southern road through Mongolia by entering the east of Russia. Sorry, the west side of Mongolia, yeah. east, east side of Russia. Um, I wanted to do the southern route and then go up into the capital and onto the finish line. But I knew my car wasn't going to make it. I knew it was going to cost me around two thousand dollars to get my car out of mongolia if it didn't make it so i had to make the decision with lee to go up through russia and originally we were going to skip mongolia completely and it wasn't until we had a, a random we accidentally bumped into i think he was a scottish bloke in the middle of russia in a shitty cafe who went well you're this close to mongolia now why don't you just pop in that's and i was like why do we think about that? why don't we just pop in <laughs> you know a, a 1000 mile journey i just pop in so you know what we went and we fucking did it and we, we, we drove we drove it into russia from the north sorry into mongolia from the north down into ulaanbaatar spent all this time in mongolia and then went back up so then we actually did go to mongolia on the mongolian rally because i thought i can't not go to mongolia on mongol rally um but i'm so happy i did that because my, my car was I literally limped my car to the final station because um, as I drove the car up onto the finish line in Mongolia, uh, sorry, in Ulan Ude, um, my clutch pretty much went. <laughs> <laughs> and they only accept the car onto the train if it's in a drivable condition. So I literally just like tinkered with it up until I had a tiny biting point and drove it all the way. I was like, the car is yours. <laughs> Have a good day. That's why it was speeding because it couldn't stop. Oh, <laughs> I know. But, but it's crazy because, like you said, when you're reading and you've got to go through all of the um, booking, obviously in advance to book it all, you have to do all your visas in advance and you have to know when yeah. you're entering each country and yeah. exiting each country. You've got to give yourself leeway to enter and exit each country because yeah. you arrive at a border a day earlier and you're stuck, at, you're stuck, aren't you? Yeah. So you have to start your visa three days before you plan on getting there and end it a couple of days after you plan on getting out in case there's an issue and your car breaks down. So it's nearly impossible. That's why we have to split up with a lot of the convoy quite a bit. This is why it was amazing how we suddenly meet because we we left some teams who had to be two days behind us because we were entering a country and their visa didn't start for two days. So we left them. And then four days later, you'd just be like, you'd pull up at some lights and they'd just be like, hello. <laughs> just like, hello. <laughs> coming over the radio going, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it, it happened. There were so many times we were just like, hi, James, watch out, there's a pothole. James? James? He looked back and you'd see the road from Mark's like, oh, shit, how long have they not been behind? <laughs> Was that you even did that right at the start though, didn't you? Driving down to Dover, you just drove off for like forty-five minutes ahead of everybody else. He's like, Here I am. Just me in the car. Like, yeah. I knew if I didn't like make ground away from my family, I wasn't going to want to go. So I just put my foot down at seventy. I got to Stoke. I was like, where is everyone? <laughs> and he's like the a brand new, like three liter it. jag as well. Exactly. Exactly. But I'll, I'll talk a bit about Turkmenistan quick. Turkmenistan is a country that just does not make sense at all. Nobody, and I mean, I couldn't even tell you now, their currency is Manat. Nobody knows the conversion rates of Manat. <laughs> no one. If you went, when you went to their country, absolutely amazing place. I think it's such a highlight of the trip because I drove my car to somewhere where 
there's wild camels. I drove a 1995 Ford Fiesta to a place which is full of desert and camels. You know what I mean? We're not talking Nosley Safari Park, you know? <laughs> We're talking the gateway to Asia. Well, I'm in Asia, actually, at that point. Like, Asia. Like, you're not going to see a church for miles. It's mosques, you know? It's every, you know, it's every, like, this whole new culture. And I drove a car there. And I think that's absolutely incredible. And we got off the, uh, ferry and i drove we needed we needed petrol but everyone speaks a lot of russian around there it's called benzene in russia so you're looking for benzene and we, we pull up to this russian um pet, well this russian looking petrol station and this guy comes out because they all fill it up for you over there and you're like yeah to the top please and then um, we got to accept dollars he's like yes i accept dollar okay so he fills the car up and i hand him this ten dollar note thinking you know he's either going to ask for more or less here and then man goes oh oh no and starts scratching his head and he walks away and comes back. He's just like, oh, oh, oh. And he gets his phone out and starts ringing someone, like this little like Nokia 3310 or whatever it is. Someone <laughs> else comes up and he goes, and this guy comes up and he goes, oh, and he goes, do you have anything smaller? I'm like, smaller than $10 for a yes, tank. I, I, was like, I, was like, uh, I was like, no. And he's just like, it's like, what's the bill? And he goes, and he just turns it to me and, he, and it's something like, and he just shows it on the calculator and it's like one, two, one, two, three. I was like, $123. And he does it again. One dot two, three. $1.23 <laughs> for a full tank. I filled up my jerry cans and I went, I turned to all the convoys and I was like, fill them up, boys. <laughs> <This> one's, <laughs> it's on me. <laughs> like, literally, he just accepts his $10 after filling everyone up. He thinks he's having the best day of his life. Absolutely incredible. And I think, oh my God, like, Am I a millionaire in this country? It's so strange. Yeah. And then we pulled into a truck stop wanting water, and Baz, uh, the guy whose camera unfortunately uh, had its demise in uh, in Romania, he he goes to a truck and goes, "You're leaving. Can I buy your manat?" So he has no idea the exchange rate, and hands hands this guy like probably something like twenty dollars, and he just gets all this manat back. And we drive. It's a full day's drive to the capital, um, Almaty. And we drive to Almaty. And um, after some lunch in this really random place where they accepted US dollars and we all had dinner for less than $10. And at this point, I think there's a convoy of about eight, eight cars. So, you know, there's probably at least 16 people. And for $10, $10 yeah. we all had as many fries and whatever we wanted. It was absolutely incredible. And I'm like, oh my God, we're actually millionaires in this country. Drive to the capital. As you come into the capital, such a strange place to turn this then. You know, like films where there's just a front of a building, where if you open the door, there would be nothing. Yeah. That is Turkmenistan. <laughs> so the, the president of Turkmenistan demands all buildings to be painted white twice a year because he wants his glorious white city. All the cars that are in the capital have to be white or it will be impounded until you have your car sprayed white. Like everything has to be white. Everything has to look and sparkle and look amazing, like like paradise, like the gateway to heaven, I think he wants to call it. But all these buildings that he's had erected aren't actually buildings. They're just fronts of buildings. Mm -hmm. So like, you'd see a bit like, is it? Um, it's like a film set where you just walk on. It's just literally just yeah. like... <laughs> What's that film with? Uh, is it the interview where he has that shop and it's like plastic fruit? Yeah, and it is. Yeah. <laughs> Not the plastic fruit, but like <laughs> the front of a shop was there and you go, oh, I just need a chemist. And you'd open the door <laughs> and you're like, oh, there's sand everywhere. <laughs> there was no back wall. 
but that's all the outskirts and it makes the city look huge and then we went in to the actual city and that's when the, like the buildings started to become actual full buildings but yet you go into a shopping mall to, and there'd be no shops in there all the power would be on the electric would be on but there'd be nothing in there no one's bought a shop in there it's just completely empty there's no one yeah. it's just so weird so then we um we heard about some teams staying in the Ashgabat five-star Turkmenistani Olympia Hotel. And we thought, you know what, fuck it. Let's, let's go and have a look at this place and see if it's in our budget. And we get there. And we, we've been paying like $50 a night at some places and everything like yeah. that. And uh, we, we go, how much How much of the night? And I can't remember what he said, but it didn't seem that, like that much. It was something like $90. And I thought, well, that's a lot, isn't it? I was like, for, like, but then I realised well, that's a lot each, and we drove to somewhere else. Accidentally bumped into Mini Adventures, who we'd lost for two days at this random other hotel. They hadn't booked in because they were demanding a hundred dollars. So we drive back to this other hotel. We book in. We realised it was like ninety dollars a room, and obviously we only need like four rooms. And we all ended up staying in this amazing marble hotel with just everything you could ask for: sauna, gym, swimming pool, like anything like that. And like they were so happy to take your money, so we went upstairs, got freshened up, got used this amazing like like the shower was having no, a shower for the first everything. proper time. Yeah, everything was incredible. Our cars were in the middle of this uh, impound with security walking around them constantly with guns and uh, everyone. It was incredible. We go to the bar thinking like I'm gonna, and they were like, oh, because you're all here. Like no one else is staying at this hotel. No one. I haven't seen anyone else. It's just us. We're talking. We're talking like the biggest hotel you go to see in London. Like, imagine that, but just nothing in there. No one else staying. Like, but yet we still ended up with room 512. <laughs> <laughs> Five floors like, up. No, the elevator's one. broken. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't we have room one ever? Why are you always in one? There's no one else staying here. And then um, we go to the bar and the barman's like, speaks quite good English. He's like, I can only take dollar if you don't have mana, but I can give you change in mana. So I was like, oh, okay, then that's fine. And um, I, I order a pizza and a beer, a couple of beers, and I give him this $10. And he comes back with this, like, wad of mana and gives it, in, gives it to me. And we're like, and we start speaking to him to try to get some money. He's just like, oh, how much does this, this cost? How much is this? And he doesn't really know and he doesn't really, like, can't really think of the exchange. And it turned out, if we paid $10 for this pizza because the dollar was so strong, we got that much mana back we could actually buy our order five times over, fill our cars with petrol, and book in another night at the hotel for the change we got in the bar. <laughs> because no one knows the currency value. People, US dollars is that strong. People take US dollars and just give you mana because mana is worthless to them. They, yeah. with that $10, could then go to the market and they could pick out anything they wanted in this market because that currency is so strong yeah. because it's the currency of the world. And that was it. I was, I was a millionaire for the time I spent in this country. And it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, people were still trying to be like, how much is that? Uh, $50, $100. It's like, yeah, fuck it off. <laughs> <laughs> Good try, mate. Here's six how more. about five? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. That's, that's exactly absolutely brilliant, base. Like, uh, incredible Uzbekistan just as just as crazy but their currency is just brilliant because uh, for like every one dollar you get like a wad of, of Uzbekistan money about that big for every one dollar and we had to 
pay like twelve dollars for this hotel we booked in in Uzbekistan, and we're like, oh, we only we don't accept dollars. We only accept, I think it's I think it's Uzbekistani som, but I could be wrong. He goes, oh, we accept som. I was like, could you bring a um? He was like, is there a bank? He's like, no, I'll get someone to exchange. So I was like, oh, okay, then that's great. This kid turns up, like we're talking like 12, with a rucksack and just puts wad. Like we're talking like a Scooby-Doo sandwich size wad. I mean, <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. Like the length of, I don't even know, like a, a PC tower. Yeah. Like that big wad, 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 wad. $100, please. Oh, God, that's what I wanted. Couldn't you come back with four more <laughs> um, rucksacks for <full>, please? <laughs> And you're just walking around, and there's a picture of me with just this money fanned out like this. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> in my muslin prayer cap, wafting myself with all this money. And then I think that night we were leaving. Um, well, oh no, so we weren't leaving that night, but a couple of nights later we were leaving Uzbekistan, and I had all this money left. I was like, oh, there's one out the window to these children. Off you go, children, have some money. Going up at lights, here's a wad of cash. Off you go, child. <laughs> I wasn't ever going to use it again. You know, no one's going to swap it back because it's they want the dollar. Like a penny. <laughs> yeah. So like, it was so funny because it was given away and you literally just make the dream, just throw it all up in the air, just like. Yeah. Oh my! Well, I, I thought it'd be a bit too mean to do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, just do that to a child. And the border the day before. Oh, sorry, the couple of nights before the Turkmenistan into Uzbekistan border, our exhaust had fallen off, and um, I was cruising down this because you never want because our exhaust falling off and our car's really loud you never want to make too much of a scene whilst you're at the border because mm. you're in a shitty banger that no one wants this shitty car in their country and uh so i was kind of like cruising in on really low revs and then i realized there was a bit like of a dip in the road so i had to rev down to get through this dip but not knowing there was a lovely cyclist next to me at the time <laughs> and his mate on another bike next to him. So I'm going up this dip. I rev the engine. He shits himself <laughs> and goes into his mate. And they both go over the handlebars in the middle of the road. <laughs> like, Sorry. Goodbye, Turkmenistan. You've been great. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Shit himself. <laughs> but um, as much as these stories are great, and we were, we were we were in so many amazing scrapes, like 43 days, and a lot of that was just endless roads, endless horizons, chasing your shadow across the world. And I, that was as beautiful as it is. Some days it was annoying, but the scenery, the landscapes, the flatness of some countries, the, the height of some countries, Tajikistan's 97% mountains. And I've got a shitty one litre car revving it to hell to try to get up these windy things. Then you go through something called the Tunnel of Death, I wonder why it's got that name, you're going to ask, Alistair. <laughs> no ventilation before, at all, three miles long. So pretty much, you drive in there, if you don't get to the side, I think it's in less than five point something minutes, you can choke to death because of exhaust fumes. <laughs> we drive to the top of this lovely mountain and we're approached with the tunnel of death. I think, oh, this is fantastic. We'll all go in, we'll do it safely. What we'll do is... I'll go, like the Mini will have to go last because it's the slowest. We can't afford it slowing anyone down. Like the Mini will go, but I'll go in first. Then we'll go with Team Don't Smile My Shoes. Then we'll go with the Mini. So if the Mini has any issues, um, we can CB radio to each other and we all yeah. know everything's going to be all right. That's great. And then I get waved in by this worker. Oh, and then he goes, stop to the other two cars. 
these two massive diesel trucks splitting black smoke out the back of them and then I'm behind it in this shitty little car. <laughs> I was like, I've got to do the tunnel of death behind these cars, knowing that if I don't hold my breath, or like I, I could pass out. Like hardly any people like do pass out, but just people can, and it does happen. And if yeah. someone breaks down, you're in so you can't overtake or anything. Um, and we went in behind this car, these these two trucks, and the trucks didn't have any lights. <laughs> so in a tunnel with no lights with no vents, with no air. I'm driving behind two trucks with no lights, with only my lights. Well, they had no real lights. They probably had front yeah. lights. No real lights. And that was it. I drove all the way to the other end and literally me and Lee were just looking at each other just like, thank fuck, like we made that one. And, but except for that, Tajikistan, brilliant place. Is and actually- one team didn't make it to the end because of the tunnel of death. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I'll actually, uh, I'll save this for if there's ever an episode two, but I didn't put this in the book, but I was actually approached by four men in Turkmenistan at a petrol station whilst my beard was really bushy out here in a muslin prayer cap whilst I was wearing this white, like, kind of silky-like T-shirt thing. And I'm pretty sure they were ISIS. But I'll say that one for another <laughs> one. <laughs> and I'm quite sure I was nearly recruited. <laughs> They but, were, um, yeah, it's just mental. so interested. Yeah, it, oh, the the trip is incredible. I tell anyone ever like, don't go and waste your money on a gap year. Like, buy a car, drive across the world, like meet people, break down, stop, enjoy the moment. Go like if you see a statue at the side of the road, you go, I wonder what that is. Don't ever, don't you're never going to be in this place of the world again. I don't wonder what it is. Turn around, go and have a look at it. Go take your photos, go make your memories, take as much time as you need. Enjoy the times when you are at your lowest because it's only up from there. You know what I mean? Like enjoy the times when you're at the highest. Like there were times where I saw my car up on ramps with no, nothing connected to it. And I thought, I thought, I hope they remember how to put it back together. Have you ever seen a Ford Fiesta before? I they're going to start asking me. But it doesn't matter if you just start worrying and you, and you enjoy the moments, it's absolutely incredible. Like our issue we had with our rear axle, which you'll come to, like it's a game changer. Like so many people would have stopped the rally, but I still drove off road for five miles, two weeks later, driving to the gate to hell. Um, that's what it, this, this huge giant gas crater is called in Turkmenistan. I drove there on these horrible, sandy, gravelly, disgusting roads on an axle, which people wouldn't have, you know, people in Blackpool, or England wouldn't trust to take them down to the corner shops. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to drive this gravel road for the next day. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to take that risk because that's the whole point between a gap. That This was an adventure. Like, there's so many people that have done the rally, but yet there's so many people who say, oh, I couldn't do that. Or I wish I didn't have the... I had anxiety before I left. Like, I had... I used to have terrible anxiety. I couldn't use the phone with some people. I, I, I used to get homesick. And I don't know why I used to get it. Yeah. But I remember I like, being on holiday and for like two weeks at points, and I think right, I'm ready to go home now. I don't want to be anymore. I'm upset, and I just I don't know why I was ever like that. But the Mongol rally, honestly, absolute life changer. I'm I'm a completely different person. I realized made me realize what was important. My my family, uh, my kids, like like objects. Just I don't care for things anymore. Like mm. memories is better. Like I care for my car and I care for my 
motorcycle and all that because they'll take me on adventures and yeah. I care for my family because they're the memories that I'm going to make with like we get so bogged down with having the newest phone we get bogged down with having like just these things that advertisements are flashing on your TV because we're wasting so much time watching TV when actually there are real people out there who you know i'd rather sit there were days I'd, I'd sit in a tent or in a yurt or in a hotel with people i'd never met before and they just want to tell me a small section of their life and i'd tell them a small section of mine and that's it we'd never meet again yeah and that's what the world should still be and that's what it used to be before we were all so connected with with telephones and and yeah. and zoom meetings jamie <laughs> Like, well, why aren't we why aren't we sat you know in my living room you know enjoying a nice hot chocolate you know doing I, this? I would happily do this in person but obviously with covid restrictions that's true obviously. covid restrictions yeah uh but obviously like it's one, something that i've always wanted to do in person anyway with with these meetings and with lockdown when it eventually does go in covid restricts and opens up a bit more i'd happily do them all in person because yeah i enjoy just connecting to people in general but this is a nice way of just going out and speak to people it's like you said if when you're going around like kazakhstan or turkmenistan and these people just come up to you saying well how are you here or just speaking to you if why some, are you here if somebody did that into blackpool they'll get punched it's like exactly. you, would never, you would never speak to anybody on the street in blackpool if you went up to somebody who's like hi mate you're okay you'd be like what, you are, Hello, why sir. are you welcome, talking to me welcome to my beautiful town this is blackpool <laughs> how can my husband assist you is that if you try to just generally actually speak to somebody, they'll just ignore you, most of them anyway, and just walk away. Like you said, there's yeah. so many people that don't actually want to connect or speak to It's anybody. different all over the world. I find British Brit, Britain to be one of the most ignorant places, but it's not even like, I know it's easy to blame someone else, but you don't, you're not forced to learn another language or another culture in, in schools and every other part of the world you are. Yes, a lot of the times that it's English because it's the most spoken language in the world. I think I think it is. Could be Chinese. That could be wrong. But like, people are more open, and and I, I just think we're ignorant. But you can see you can see that with the north south divide in England as well. Because in in south, if you, if you go to London and have a chat with someone, like they'll throw a mocker in your face. Like that's how strange yeah. London. <laughs> Like at least up north, you can have a chat with your next door neighbour. I know people that down south, they don't even know like who yeah. the next door neighbours is or what they're called. Like it's different all over the world, but we are wrong. Like we are the people that need these face. Like obviously not during a COVID time, these face-to-face discussions and and yeah. to hear these little snippets of people's lives because, and that's why I have changed careers now and all that because I'm sick to death of. I just felt like anything I was doing and everything I was doing was pointless. I was bringing a small snippet of entertainment into someone's life for the length of Cats the Musical. You know what I mean? Like the worst musical ever in the world, you know. Um, and that was it. It was never remembered. And that's why I've completely changed careers now. Like, I want to I speak to people. I want to hear people's stories and I want to help change people's stories for the better. Yeah. And that, that, that and you see that everywhere except for uh britain and whilst i'm on the subject the only place jamie guess where guess out of the entire 19 countries we went through the only one which had roadworks britain obviously 
Yes. Uh, I've already been past that bit, so we're all right, so I'm motivated. Uh, <laughs> only place we were delayed by roadworks was Britain. Yeah. Everywhere else, there was an alternative route. Britain, stop and wait until we finish. <laughs> everywhere, everywhere else in the world, this stop, go round. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, like, why did we never think of it? <laughs> I mean, they've got like potholes. It's a you just say to Britain, just like just a pothole, mate, just deal with it. I mean, you, you weren't complaining about the 50 potholes on the single road that you were on. <laughs> like, yeah, in Britain, you can go, excuse me, there's a pothole here, someone will come out with a spray and circle it. And it's like, well, <laughs> what you've done there is you've identified it. <laughs> like, there were, there were parts of our trip where the roads were on, someone could have had sticks of dynamite and they could have ran around going, ha. <laughs> <laughs> just throwing them full the road full of IEDs and they'd be in better condition than the roads that we went to but yet everyone in the cars goes, like, all these locals are still going 70 over them just like good morning <laughs> it's part of the world yeah uh, like, we, we, we're wrong in a way we, like, a lot of the idolisation of we idolise things more than we do people, I, I, I find. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, to be fair, I am one of those people. I, again, I haven't had the experiences that you've had, but I collect movies and games. And so I'm quite an idealistic person. I need these items in my life because that's who I am as a person. So I have a ridiculous amount of Blu-rays. I mean, you can probably see from like my last of Jamie, us Jamie, you, you do know, there's something called there. Netflix. They hold all the films for you. Yeah, but like seven months later. But I'm talking about limited edition ones. I only buy limited edition ones tonight. You know, they're like the cool ones that come with like posters or art cards or stuff like that yeah. as well for like 50 quid <laughs> each. <Yeah. laughs> but uh, me and Mercedes have talked about we want to do something, not exactly the Mongol rally, but we've talked about just driving across Europe, you know, just like traveling around Europe in a just... nice car. <laughs> but, yeah. That's the thing though, but in a nice car. You, I don't drive, so it's her driving. I don't have a license. I think people like to plan ahead here, and it's when you don't plan is when you find the best places. I yeah. used to do it through Scotland when I first passed my driver's test. Um, I drove through with a couple of friends like Andy and Nathan, and we used to just drive through Scotland. We'd never have a point where we want to make that night. we just drive up until the point we got tired or we saw something interesting and pull over. And they're some of the best memories I've, I've ever had. It's, but, but when you plan something... And it doesn't happen. You get disappointed, and then your trip has a disappointing part of it. Whereas actually, if you don't actually go, I have no plans. I wish to see nothing except for the only things that are in front of me. There, you're never disappointed because you didn't expect yeah. anything. So with your nice car trip around somewhere, yeah, if you can't take a crap car and you can't challenge yourself, or you or you're just not comfortable doing that, just try and free up your itinerary. Yeah. Have an idea like I wouldn't mind going there, but don't be too disappointed if you don't i've got i've got 14 days i want to get from a to b however yeah. we get there who cares we'll just we'll just drive and as long see as you work out I've, I've got this much time to get to here like it like this is how much you this is how long it would take for me to get from here to here mm. and you don't like too much of a rush. there's no point if you've only got 14 days there's no point driving seven days somewhere to drive seven days back <laughs> yeah around your you you know you you want to go there's two days there a day then we'll end, have a day there but not not even do that just set off you know, you could get around the corner and go, oh, Fudge Corner, never been here in Blackpool. <laughs> I, I looked it up before just to make sure I was correct. But I don't know if you actually know the actual mileage. Do you remember how many miles it was altogether? 
Yes, it's in the book. Yes, I know. <laughs> I've just looked. <laughs> but yeah, I, we kept everything. We kept uh, exchange rates. We checked. That's uh, what I mean. Yeah. It's like you were just writing like, I mean, it's surprised like this thing could be like I, made I into it. a book. Yeah, but like, not a book. It could be made into a movie. So it's already a book. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, I purchased so people could sign the back of the sign all around my car. I purchased these white paint pens. So when we went to countries and we met people, people had signed the back of the car. But the best thing about that is it means I could have written, I wrote all over the interior, all over the roof, all yeah. over the floor. I wrote everywhere. So all this information of the mileage was written on the door, on the glove box, on everything. <laughs> so that's why it's all there. So when we left, I just took photos of it. Yeah. So, so every day I'd finish off. Yeah. So, um, the first day was 326 miles all the way up onto the last day, which we got us up to 10,291 miles. And I think, I don't know if I put it in the book eventually, but I think 315 of them were the wrong way. What? <laughs> so every time we took the wrong road or a wrong turn in, we, we noted it down how many times yeah. we've gone the wrong way in the mileage. So yeah, it should have only taken us just under 10,000 miles because we went the wrong way a few times. <laughs> I went the wrong way for four hours one day. Really? So yeah, we were meant to be going down into Mongolia and um, from Russia. And there's a, there's a place called, I think it's called Chita, which is further east in Russia. And there's, there's two roads, one that takes you to Mongolia or one that takes you to Chita. And Lee went, yeah, just follow this road and fell asleep. So I <laughs> <laughs> And then after about four hours or something, the sun was in my eyes still. I was like, the sun's in my eyes. I'm heading east. I was like, this is quite, I'm, it's been in my eyes all day. So I pulled over and I woke Lee up. I was like, can you check the road? He went, yeah, it's just this road. I told you, it's just the road all the way out to the border. I went, Lee, I've been driving for like four hours and the sun has been in my face. Where the fuck are we? <laughs> he gets his phone out and goes, oh, <laughs> just turns it around. Four hours all the way back, and then um, the, the day began again. <laughs> is this with another team following you as well? <laughs> no. Really, actually, uh, together. But it's great yeah. as well, because like I said, you don't really try and plan it, but your plan at the start was just like, oh, it's just going to be me and Lee, we're going to have this great adventure, and then, yeah, like I said, you were the leader of a convoy. <laughs> Who knew that I was going to meet like, the god that you said the godfather of, of yeah, your child james of mini adventures is godfather to my child um i like these all these chaps that would just literally change my life who we've already got new adventures and new road trips planned with and one of them like left everything behind and i think he even left his girlfriend and, and traveled around the world and everything like that and he's, he's living his best life now he's called adam brilliant brilliant guy i haven't seen him since the rally because he's just been so at it um, Ollie and uh, Danny uh, from Team um, Don't Smell My Shoes as well. They're down in Winchester with their partners. And I think Danny's got a partner, but Ollie doesn't. But like, they're just two of the most genuine people, like, incredible people. Stay in contact. Lee, I'm always in contact with him, cutting stunts. Oh my God, are they, these three chaps. So Richie was like the main team leader of cutting stunts. He was a, an ex Marine, amazing guy. Do a favor for anyone. Like, the, this man could probably get blown up and he and he'd walk up to you and go, Well that fucking hurt, didn't it? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like he was a machine. Um James was with him and that was just one of the mates in Nonsense Nursery, such a nice guy, just he he just ragged the shit out of the car, brilliant. And Baz, like somewhat seemed like not off with Baz, but he just seems like such a genuine person. He was really quiet. 
But every time, he just didn't really have any worries. And like when we were talking about money or talking about anything, he just didn't care. Like he was just like, oh, it's fine. We'll either do this or we won't. And I was like, how are you so relaxed? Turns out when we got home, he didn't really genuine of of us. Turns out he's a world famous DJ. And put that in the book. I didn't actually know if he was, he was an actual world famous. And DJ. we're talking. He's just casually you know, at that walkabout place. <laughs> no, we're talking. He travels around. He's signed by I can't actually remember his name, which is really bad. But he's signed by a company which do wonders, and his, his music's absolutely incredible. And does all the islands, and he, like we're talking. He's a big. He's a big name, which obviously yeah. isn't the real name Baz, but like, <laughs> you know, he has a different name. And but. Yeah, like amazing, amazing people. And that's why they were all invited to my wedding. Those who could come came. James became godfather to Oakley because he's just the most adventurous person I've ever met. He now owns the most rarest motorcycle collection probably in the north. Yes, he's the most amazing motorcycles and he's just such a great person. But when you think about the rally, if we just so if we didn't get that exact ferry on that exact day from Calais, sorry, from Dover to Calais, I w- probably wouldn't have met any of them. It's the same because Lee, Lee posted it on Facebook as well, didn't he, to meet some people in Blackpool. Yeah. And you met, which team was it that met you in Blackpool? Oh, that, they, were, they, Blackpool. Were called, they were called Global Nomads. We only saw them for the first two only days. Only saw that bit, yeah. I never saw them again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if we'd have got a different ferry on a different day, a different time, which so many of the people did, we'd never have met these people, which now are probably some of the most down-to-earth, closest people I've ever met in my life. And yeah. I probably talk to them more than I talk to people I've known all my life because they're just, yeah. <laughs> anyone who does the Mongo Rally is the same type of mad. Like, you have to have, like, a screw loose to go, yeah, that sounds like a fucking brilliant idea. I'll get the shits and keep driving. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I want to spend my summer. <laughs> how much? Ten grand? Send me in. You know, anyway. <laughs> What, what car can I take? A comfy one? A shit one? Oh, go on. <laughs> that one looks good. The one with one wheel? Yeah, I'll take it. You know, like, you've, got to, you've got to just be so open and free to do it. And they're the best people that do it. And I think that's with Lee being my teammate. Lee wasn't... I think he felt like he didn't have the drive or the adventurism or the knowledge to do it. But then as soon as he got... Like after four days of being on the road, he was like, "Yeah, he loved it." He was like, "This is this is for me. This is my thing as well." Yeah. And like with every day, he relaxed more and he got into the rally. And even days when we had shit days, sometimes he'd go in such an arsy mood, or he just wouldn't talk, or he'd have to deal with something in his own head. But then, he, but then after half an hour, he'd snap out of it, and be like, "Sorry about that. I just had to get over myself, or I had to get over." this issue or I had to get over something you just said Alistair because you're actually a pain in the ass, and I am a massive pain in the ass. and he just had to get over it and then suddenly he just immersed himself into the adventure again and that's when the best stories come out. I mean considering like when we drove to Newport and I'm just there fucking singing the whole way down. Oh, <laughs> imagine doing that, yeah imagine doing that the whole way to Angola just in the car just singing. So Mark, bad. yeah, King. <laughs> yeah, good. exit. Exit, exit, <laughs> exit. <laughs> every country. Eve, Sham. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, we'll um, finish it off because, like I said, um, there's so much you could talk about, and you could. Of course, the, happily just I'm sure one day there'll be well. a part two. Once you've read the book and you've seen things like my rear axle snapping <laughs> in half. <laughs> but um, just going to the book, the one bit that was quite devastating that I read, um, you were trying to get to. Budapest, so Jade could fly out for her graduation. Yeah, and said we'll promise we'll give you a graduation party at some point. Did that happen? 
Yeah. <laughs> and no, uh, I actually have a recording of the graduation party. <laughs> Did you actually give me like a... I can send for this video. <laughs> it's coming up here. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'll insert here. <laughs> But yeah, yes, we, we we did in the middle of Kazakhstan, after after days where we'd just well actually in the south of Kazakhstan after all these days where we'd finally got showered we'd been fed we were so drunk because we uh we asked for beer and uh, at this place and they had a carling tap which had about a gallon of beer in it they just put on your table. And we just drank, and, and it took so long for him to bring our food out. We'd already drank two of these taps. Yeah. And then, we, yeah, we all stood up and we were just screaming on this balcony in Kazakhstan, going, singing for great Jade's graduation. <laughs> and uh, and we were all celebrating, clinking glasses and drinking. And then we all realised that we'd parked our cars illegally. And me, Adam, and someone else, I think James had drawn the short straws, but we had to move our cars into a hotel car park but we were plastered and it was one way all the way around this we're talking probably <laughs> like probably like the length of my housing estate probably about a hundred houses all the way around we had to drive it and i swear i drove going Whoa! <laughs> there's a recorder to be driving in into the car park hitting the curb bouncing up the curb and there's someone going alistair your tracking's out so then because you know we're tracking in a car if you're yeah one of the wheels out you'll start listing lazily I, I i just put it in reverse and go which way and they go left and i just ram the curb again and throw, <laughs> throw the car in i go is that about straight and they go yeah you know what that's that's about straight <laughs> that's the one thing that i found like when i was reading a book um like you were drinking most nights and then you still went to drive like 15 yeah. hours a day after drinking most nights you know all hung over like let's do it <laughs> There were some nights where we did drink quite a bit, but when I say we had a few drinks, I, I, I don't, I, I never used to drink much uh, since I left uni, like years back. So when I say I had quite a bit to drink, I, I, I was probably, or I'd like to say I was. Unless it's an eighty-four <laughs> percent. We'll save, we'll save this for Convoy Exceptional Podcast Two. When I fell asleep at the wheel, that. <laughs> But yes, we'll we'll leave it at that point. But it has. I remember been, seeing but... a camel, a wall, <laughs> and my brakes, <laughs> and then I fell asleep again, <laughs> and I had to be pushed into the passenger seat by my co-driver. Right. Well, well, it's been a pleasure, Jamie. Yes, it definitely has. And um, well, like I said, we'll definitely have to do a part two because, I mean, like I said, I'm only up to chapter nine, so I'm probably going to have more questions that I'll need to ask. And oh, like I said, nice. when you look at pictures, you're going to think of so many more stuff as well. And you yeah. might even read the book as well. <laughs> Eventually. Oh, Who knows? <laughs> but um, yeah, thank you very much for doing this. That's all right. I've loved it. Right. All the best, my good man. Goodbye. I'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye.